with you, and I hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. Somebody said coming in they gained about 10 pounds. I was wondering how they was going to take that off. Uh, that's one of the challenges of the holiday seasons, isn't it? That's, it's, it's true. It is a fact that over this holiday, people average about 5 to 10 pounds more of weight. But we don't do that, do we? No. <laughs> well, this evening is a very special occasion. Uh, a lot of things to celebrate this week. We have Thanksgiving, and now we have the beginning of the new church year. Actually, it starts right now. And uh, we're very, very excited about that. And the beginning of the new church year begins with the season of Advent. And it's during this time that we focus particularly on the life-producing effects of four virtues. And they are these, hope, peace, joy, and love. Those are the four. Let me ask you a question. Could you use more of these in your life? You think you could? I know I can. I could definitely use a lot more of that. Well, of course you can. Of course, all of us long to see and to experience those things in our lives. And ways that we, our family of faith draws these things out, out into the openness of our life to produce that virtue which they produce, it is through the Advent wreath as you turned while ago and we had the blessing and the lighting of the advent wreath. See, there's, there will be four flames as we go through the season of advent. The four flames, they are really what they are meant to be are lights because light comes from the flame. Uh, light represents the four shining truths of hope, peace, joy, and love. Could you use a little more of these in your life? Well, I bet you can. And my, my wish and my desire for you during this Advent season is that you allow these four points of light to shine more brightly, more fully in your life. And may they penetrate, John as John would write, may they penetrate the dark places of your situations in life in order that you may be abundantly encouraged. As John so masterfully wrote in the first chapter of his gospel, he says, My dear friends, let the light of Jesus shine in the dark places of your lives and observe, behold, how quickly the darkness flees. Darkness cannot overcome light. It's just not possible. Light overcomes darkness. And for us, that light is the light of life, which is none other than Jesus. Well, we have one candle lit tonight, and what does that candle represent? Well, it represents hope. It represents hope. Could you use a little more hope in your life tonight? I bet you could. I know I could. I learned the biblical definition of hope or how the scriptures define hope when I was reading one day the fourth chapter of Romans, and Paul was writing about a man named Abraham. You know Abraham, don't you? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Paul said this, and these words have stuck with me ever since. They're so powerful words, words that only we can claim because of the faith that we have in Christ. It says that Abraham hoped against hope. That means he hoped 
when there was no reason to hope. That's what it means to hope against hope. He maintained hope, Paul says, in his situations, although there was no outward reason to do that. You ever get in one of those situations? Well, I've been in a bunch of them in my life where it's like, well, where's the hope? How am I going to get out of this? I don't know. But see, that's what we're called to do as the people of God, to hope against hope. Let me give you a couple of examples of what Abraham was dealing with here in his life and see if he truly was hoping against hope, as Paul said. Well, the first thing, he was called to go to a place which he would later receive as his inheritance from God, but he didn't know, he didn't have a clue of where he was going. What do you think about that? How would you like to set out on that journey? You know, I don't have a clue where I'm going. God's just going to lead me. And then once he finally makes it to the promised land, he makes his home in that land. But he would live there for the remainder of his life as a tent dweller. He lived in a tent. Uh, he was what you might call like a stranger in a foreign country. He was just living through. But his descendants would live in the big cities that would be created. And the most beautiful city is what? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. The city of peace. The city of God. This is an interesting one, hoping against hope. For the Son of God promised him that his son would be born. How would you like to have a newborn son at 100 years old? <laughs> well, you all are excited about that, aren't you? Well, I, I don't know. That'd be, that'd be pretty tough, I think. But God did that, see. And uh, he would also, with a challenge, just, you know, turn around just a few years later. He would be asked by God to let that son go. To let that son go and trust God. Although God had already told Abraham that it is through Isaac that many descendants, there'll be more than, than the stars in the sky, will come from him. That's hoping against hope, isn't it? Well, those are the kinds of situations. See, he truly hoped against hope. That's the kind of uh, hope that Abraham exhibited. And that's the kind that we have to live in our lives today as well. Because life can be difficult. Life can be challenging and it can be filled with uncertainty. Have you experienced any of that over the past year? Well, yeah, let's just start with COVID for just as an example of that. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, like many of you who are sitting here this evening, I, I have had to hope against hope this week after the tragic loss of George and Margaret Herbig, two of our dear brothers and sisters of this parish family. And it shook me. I mean, it shook me. There's no doubt about it. It still does. Uh, but I remain hopeful. I remain hopeful because I know that George and Margaret are in a better place. They're in a better place. So if you would like the light of hope to shine more brightly in whatever's going on in your life today, I now encourage you to listen to some practical applications of how to build, to nurture, to grow hope in your life. The first one and the foremost is to nurture hope by growing in your relationship with Jesus. Now, what in the world does that have to do? Well, if you look in the sixth chapter of Hebrews, you find the answer. We see Paul writing there that our relationship 
it is through our relationship with Jesus that we have hope. Uh, Jesus is described as the anchor for the soul. He, he plants us firmly. He, uh, we don't drift aimlessly. Have you ever, Bernie, you back, you're a fisherman. You ever been fishing without an anchor? Well, you just go all over the place, don't you? You know, there's no telling where you're going to end up. But when you put drop anchor, you're not going anywhere, are you? And that's what Jesus does. See, Jesus is our anchor. He's our hope. When life wants to pull us, drift us, uh, the waves are bashing and crashing all around us, he, he says, drop the anchor, drop me, put me into the ground, and I'll keep you holding on. See, he understands, and I, I'm coming to learn more and more how important this is. He understands, the Lord understands what it means to be like you, and he wants to help you. So what we have to do is embrace our relationship with him and keep our hopes high. The second thing, which is so much a part of Advent, is to live an expectant life. Live expectantly. See, if you, you can only think of one thing at a time. You can't think of more than one, even though some people boast about multitasking. But uh, when expectancy dwells in your life, things such as resignation and giving up, they have to flee. You can't, you can't put the two together all at one time. And Jesus is expressing to us the hope that we have through expectant living. What does he say? He says, be watchful, be alert. You do not know the time when I'm going to comfort you in your situation, when I'll come to you, but I am going to come. You know, it may be during the noonday, the noon hour. It may be during the darkest part of the morning, which is when most of the time when Jesus comes to us when we're at that point in our lives. But he says, regardless of when, what I say to you is this, watch and have hope. Never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. That's hope filled, isn't it? What a promise. The third thing is to wait and be patient. Uh, this, this can be a tough one uh, to apply, but it's not insurmountable, but almost for some of us. Uh, but you know what? I'd love to know this. I've been thinking about this. I bet that most of you are doing a better job of being patient and waiting now that everything's slowed down. I know I have, not at first, but when the first time I drove through the McDonald's drive-thru and I had to wait for 30 minutes to get around and I couldn't go inside the store to get my drink, I was mad. But you know what? Now I can, if it's 20 minutes, well, that's not bad. That's pretty good. I can, I can handle that, you know. Or going through the checkout lane at Walmart. You know, there's 50 people in front of you. Well, what do you do? You wait. You wait. Or uh, what about product availability? No product. You go to the shelves, there's nothing there. But I need, every week I've been able to go and get that. Or uh, how many of you have heard this one? We got supply chain issues. <laughs> you know, I bought a little end table uh, just two months ago, and I still haven't heard a thing about it. <laughs> you know, it's like, my gosh, when's it going to show up? But, it's, it's, but that's the way it is. See, 
what, what, I've, what I've figured out in seeing this is I've learned that I can be more patient than I thought I could be, that I can wait longer than I thought I could do. And that's really important. See, we're, we're, we live in this instant society of microwaving in a second or two what we need to warm up. But oftentimes in the reality of life, we have to wait. We have to be patient. God doesn't say, he doesn't, you know, he says, let it be on my timing. I know when the time is right to come. And that's one of the uh, great lessons from the saints. The saints were always talking about waiting on God's good pleasure. And that's what we're called to do. And while waiting and patience, see, these are particularly important because they fill us with joy. They fill us with consolation and hope in order that we can laugh even while tears are still in our eyes. God always, he always gives his best to those who leave their, his timing to them. Leave the timing to him always. What did he say through Jeremiah? He said, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That's come right from God. The fourth thing is to be encouraged through the Holy Scriptures. Uh, what do the Scriptures have to do with hope? Well, they got a whole lot to do with it, as a matter of fact. If you go back to the book of Romans, listen to what Paul wrote. He says to the church, everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. There's that word hope again, isn't it? Actually, it's, I write it down 25 times. I counted it today. First time I've done that. But uh, 25 times hope is mentioned in this homily. Um, but I've quoted a lot of scriptures to you today because what you need to know about life is within the scripture. Don't ever forget that. Don't let anybody ever tell you any different. What you need to know about life is contained in the Holy Scriptures. What did, what did the psalmist say? He says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I put my hope. There you go. There's the source of hope. And the final thing is to praise God. Always, even when you're crying, even when things are not going as you would like, what did Isaiah say? He said that those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll renew their strength. They'll soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not go weary. They will walk and not be faint. So soar like an eagle. You know, what kind of bird are you? Think about that. What kind of bird? How far can you get off the ground? Remember that you're an eagle who soars high above the driving winds of life. And while others may see only a hopeless end, you can praise God in an endless hope. Think about that. So I'd like to leave you with two thoughts for reflection. If you feel like you're at the end of your rope, have hope. Tie knot and hang on because God has the other end and he's holding it. And the second thing is this. Remember that if you've been reduced to God, this is from the saints, if you've been reduced to God being your only hope in life, 
you're still in a good place. You really are in a good place. God bless all of you, and Jesus is coming soon.